0: Welcome, Nexus Church family, online to what is, at least currently, leading into the Christmas weekend. In the next six days, we are going to be all participating in many different festivities, whether it's family get-togethers or school get-togethers or just things at church and in life where we are in busy mode, hectic mode, getting Christmas gifts and in engaging in all sorts of activities, and my hope for you today is that you can just step back for maybe 20 minutes and just examine, examine Jesus. And today, in particular, we're going to read five different ways that that Jesus, I guess, The best way to explain it is manifested himself or proclaimed himself or how the Bible proclaimed Jesus to this world. It's it's the word behold that we're really focusing on today. We read this word many different ways throughout the Bible, not just the New Testament, the accounts of Jesus, but leading to his birth through what we call the prophets in the Bible, those who predicted his coming. And in these instances where the author writes the word behold, we see five different ways that God manifests himself or reveals himself to us. And so today we're just going to take a look at this. The word behold in the original is henea, that is in Hebrew, henea. And today, it's, it's more than just the word behold. It was, trying to, it was trying to proclaim something. It was trying to get our attention. We translate it as behold. But, but really what the author was trying to get at was this pay attention, look at, be prepared. This, this is something important, something special, something that we want you to get a grasp of. And so today, we're just going to look at the times where in the bible we read behold Jesus or behold Emmanuel God with us and so the first way that we read today of this distinction of Jesus is behold the baby he came as a baby and we read in Isaiah 7:14 again this is a prophet proclaiming the coming of Jesus said therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here it is. Behold. Pay attention. Wake up. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now this is hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Isaiah proclaimed this. Wake up. Pay attention. Be prepared. Something crazy is about to happen. A virgin... A virgin is going to give birth, a teenage virgin. Like, mind blown, right? Like, you don't have to tell me, behold, like, I'm going to pay attention when you're saying the words virgin and giving birth, right? This is, this is something out of the ordinary. How could this be? She was never with a man. She was a teenager like what is going on but this this baby as you can imagine being born from a a teenage virgin was more than just a baby we read in isaiah 9 6 one of the most beautiful proclamations of the prediction of jesus he writes for unto us a child is born Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Like this baby, this God with us, is going to have the government on his shoulders. What's powerful is Jesus himself says, my kingdom isn't of this world. My government is of another kingdom outside of this world we live in. So the government that, that God is proclaiming here through Isaiah is, is that of another world. The ultimate government is on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful. Love that, Wonderful. Like, nothing's better than Wonderful. A counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Behold. Wake up. Check this out a virgin will give birth to a son number 2 he is Jesus the lamb of God Jesus the lamb of God John 129 says this The next day, John, now this is his cousin, John the Baptist, who was again a prophet in a way because he was predicting the coming of Jesus who had not revealed himself yet. And so John sees Jesus coming, his cousin coming. This is profound. He sees him coming, walking towards him, and he says, behold, wake up, pay attention. Something awesome is about to be said here. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here he is. The excitement was paramount. It was it was beyond belief. He was like, this is the Lamb of God. Remember Israel. Remember what the Lamb of God meant. This goes way back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years when Israel was in captivity. They were enslaved in Egypt and they were forced to do labor and, and be under a Horrific circumstances. And God told them to take the lamb. Spread its blood over your doorpost. And I will pass over your house at night. And will not take your firstborn. But of those of the land who didn't do that. That being the Egyptians. He would take the firstborn. And ultimately what that lamb of God would do. Would free Israel from captivity. And now. John the Baptist is linking Jesus to that for all of Israel to hear. This is the Lamb of God who wouldn't just take us out of slavery for this kingdom of earth. He's going to take us out of slavery from the kingdom of, of our sin. He's going to free us for all of eternity. This isn't just an a out of card in Egypt deal. This is a a ticket out of hell for all of eternity. He is the Lamb of God who would take your sins and my sins. He would free us from this slavery to sin once and for all time. We wouldn't ever have to, to take a lamb and spread it out ever again to forgive us of our sins. We can't earn our way to heaven. We can't do anything. But Jesus did it for you. He did it for me. And then we read in Revelations 5.12 where again we read Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Behold Check it out. Here's the baby who was born to die, to take my sin, to take your sin, the Lamb of God. And he is number three, Jesus, a man. This is profound. Jesus came into the world as God as the Lamb of God to take away our sins of the world, but he was also human. Now, I get it if you're sitting there thinking along with me, and myself, this is a hard concept. Like, how can Jesus be fully God and fully man? He blows everything we know and understand right out of the water we read in John 19, 5 and 6, Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Right? Pilate was the, the one in authority over all of Israel at that time. Israel, in the time that Jesus was living, was held under captivity in a loose kind of way over the Ro- by the Romans. And Pilate was that man who had the authority over Jesus. And he looks out at the crowd who hated Jesus because of the good things he had done, but ultimately because he claimed to be God. And he said, Behold the man. This this was something that God put inside of Pilate to proclaim. Behold the man. And of course the reply from the chief priests and the officers were, Crucify him. Crucify him. You see, Jesus was definitely fully God. But he was definitely also fully man. He, this is why it's so important that he was fully man, because when Jesus was put before the people and they they screamed out in anger and torment and rejection of him, he felt every bit of pain and rejection that we could ever experience. When he was beaten and bloodied, to the point of not even being recognized and then hung on the cross. He felt every kind of pain physically that we could ever experience. He felt it to the fullest. And when his best friends ran from him in the garden, when they came to arrest him, he felt the ultimate and utter rejection that you will ever experience on the face of this earth. He spent three years, day and night, with all 12 of those men who rejected him. And ultimately with the one who betrayed him for just a few coins. Jesus experienced all of the horrific things that you and I will experience on this earth. He was Emmanuel God with us. He was the Lamb of God, but he also was man. He encountered all of the things that we would ever experience. We read this in Isaiah, again, proclaiming what would happen to this Emmanuel God with us. In Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, But he was wounded for our transgressions, for our evil things we've done. He never did one bad thing, but for our evil, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed, fully healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have each turned, every one, to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus faced every kind of extreme torture, rejection, pain. But yet, when he was up there on the cross, he looked up to the Father. He said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Here I am. And the Father turned his face away. Why? Because it was in that moment that Jesus took your sin and my sin upon himself. He understands our pain because he took it all, he took the ultimate rejection from the Father so that we wouldn't be rejected love how C.S. Lewis put it. He said, the Son of God became man to enable men to become sons of God. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Behold. Check this out. Jesus the baby, the Son of Man, who was born just like us was the Lamb of God. And he has given us access to the Father. And he will be, number four, the returning king. Now, maybe the returning king might be something that is kind of a little foreign to you and me, right? Because we live in a world right now where kings and presidents uh, aren't exactly looked upon very highly. I would say the president of the United States of America at this point in history is not viewed at as highly as it once was. Kings and queens have at little power compared to what they once did. Power is such a relative thing. We don't really know where power lies anymore. It used to be in those authority figures, in the in the presidents, in the kings, in teachers, and pastors and business leaders, but they hold very little power now with the rise of social media and everybody having a voice. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but when we come to Jesus as the king, it seems to have lacked the power it once did. But let me tell you, in this world right now where there is confusion, where there is chaos, where we see horrendous shootings and killings at schools and in malls and in movie theaters and it seems as if it's just daily habit. We don't even think about it anymore. When, when we have people who rise up to power and use that power to do evil things and cause harm to others in malicious ways. It's good to know that there is a good king not corrupted by evil in this world. Listen to how Jesus is portrayed in Revelation 22, 12, and 13. Behold. Pay attention. Wake up. I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. The first and the last. See, Jesus will put to end the evil that has been poured out upon this creation. He cares. He cares. And friends, I want to be very clear with you today. He will not sit idle for long. He is given this season for a reason. This, this time where, where it seems as if it will go on forever, but it won't. The Bible is very clear. There will come a day where there will be an end to this evil. God will make a way and he will create the end. But he is waiting. Why? Because he's wanting to allow as many people as possible to come into his family so he won't lose one. He cares. As we read in the parables, he cares for every single one. And though Jesus came in as a lowly baby in a horse stall, he won't come back that way. He's going to come back on a victorious white horse. He's going to rule with authority and control. Power. Not evil, but in good. Revelation 19 11 through 17 says it this way. I saw heaven. Now, if you don't know the book of Revelation, this is a a vision that God gave the apostle John as he was on an island waiting pretty much for his time on earth to be ended. And and God gave him this vision of the future. And so he sees this, this vision of heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. This is what God had given him to write so that we could know what the end will look like. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are a blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on them that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Behold, time is short. Look around. See the pain. See the wars. See the famine. See the moral depravity. The economic downturn. But behold, greater than all of that is the coming king. One day, the trumpet of God will sound and he will come in with justice, with mercy, with grace, with truth. Behold, the baby in the manger. Behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God. Behold, the man who took the sins of yours and mine. Behold, a soon returning king. And lastly, behold, One who wants to share life with you. This is where it gets practical today. This is where it gets between you and God today. See, God came as a baby in this horse stall, right? He came as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. He came as Is fully man and fully God and the returning king. But ultimately, what God cares about more than anything is a relationship with you. Listen to how Revelation 3.20 puts it. Behold, pay attention, wake up. I stand at the door and knock. Knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Behold. Jesus is saying to you right now, behold. Whether you've never let him in or you've let him in, but maybe you need to do that again today. Or maybe you've let him in and and you live with him and, and it's a great relationship, but... It's gotten cold and that relationship is it's not the same it once was. Maybe he's sitting there saying, you've only let me in so far. Or you've gotten too busy and you've pushed me out to maybe the part of the house that is just for occasions, special occasions where it's Christmas time and you'll let me in again or it's Easter time and you'll let me in again or there's a hard time and so you let me in again Jesus is saying I'm knocking I'm knocking this is is not just a, a special occasion thing I'm knocking will you let me in I'm knocking I have unconditional love for you will you let me in I'm knocking will you let me in I have peace That passes all understanding. I'm knocking. I have joy. That's unspeakable. Just waiting for you. I'm knocking. I want to give you life abundantly. I'm knocking. Will you let me in? Who? Who is this child to you? the child who is both Lamb of God, Emmanuel God with us, but also fully man like us. He is the returning king who will rule forever, but ultimately he wants to rule with So today, as we come to an end of this, this Christmas season and you go into this last week of being with family and busyness, don't just let it pass you by and a blur and forget it and wake up on January 1st and be like, what just happened? I got steamrolled. <laughs> that's not God. That's, that's this world trying to disillusion you to what life is. Life isn't stuff. It's great to be with family. It's great to see people you don't get to see every, every so often other than Christmas and get-togethers. Those are all great things. Traditions are great. Christmas Eve services are great. But we get so busy doing all of this that we don't slow down. All the while, Jesus is like, ah, guys... Remember this holiday? It's about the greatest gift. Not one that is of this world, but one that came into this world, freed this world of all of its sin and anguish, and ultimately gives you access to the Father for all of eternity. I, I want in. But if you're too busy, I just sat at this entryway offering you everything you could ever want and imagine. While you're busy doing things that will fade away. Missing the opportunity to have this beautiful relationship with the one who loves you desperately. And and doesn't want you to push out things in this world. But wants you to allow him into things of this world. This isn't a, a... Jesus is awesome and I just want you to be just spending all your time with him and forgetting things in this world. That's not what God did. God came into this world and penetrated and filled this world with his presence and changed this world. He wants to come in and obliterate what you call life and fill it with his amazing presence. And so many people, both Christian and not Christians, have totally missed the beautiful, life-giving, amazing, amazing life that He can give you. So today, that is my prayer for you, is that whether you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't, that you will allow Him to come in and to give you life and give you life abundantly this year. That is the gift He has for you. And then your job is to give that gift to others. There's no greater gift. And so, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for those who have not given their life to you. They have not received that wonderful gift of Jesus Christ, the only one who can free us of our evil and sin that we have done so that we can have access to the Father for all of eternity. God, I pray for every person listening that they will give their life to you. They will accept that gift and then give their life back to you. Saying, "I am yours. Do with me as you will." And so, Father, I pray that for every person, that they would give you their life today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for so much for following with us this this wonderful Christmas season. I know it goes fast, and if you haven't been able to follow us with all the messages and christmas programs that we put on you can always go back and listen to our previous messages and i just wish you and your family a wonderful christmas holiday this week and we will see you again next week as we come back together and we celebrate going into this new year we'll see you again real soon